tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And we've traveled the world to talk to creative practitioners everywhere. My guest today is from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And Lizette, I was looking at my guest list, and I think Amsterdam has been my number one destination. And so it's great to talk to you today. Next time, let's meet Yes, when you I, get to your number one I, destination. Exactly. I was thinking there must be a coffee shop or a, a hotel breakfast place where I could just plant and have all of my friends and guests come and meet me. So you'd be on that list. Absolutely. I'm here. Great. Well, listeners, we're talking today to Lisette Schwedemeyer, and our topic is, you know, alleviating loneliness and getting out of this sense that we're the only ones. And a lot of that comes from our childhood and our upbringing even. And Lisette has written some terrific books on this topic, The Childhood Conclusions Fix, The Eldest Daughter Effect, even childless living. Lisette, as we get into these books, boy, I know I've got a lot of childhood conclusions to fix. <laughs> so why don't we start there and talk about the things that we, I guess, imagine that we took from our childhood or our parents or our schools or our siblings. What are some of those conclusions and how did you capture those in your book? In the U.S., I did the Barbara Brand School of Healing and I learned about uh, Wilhelm Reich and his theory, how he looked at people and he listened to his clients. And he said, there's basically five conclusions that we come out of our childhood with is I should not have been born. I don't belong. I'm different from everybody else. I, I should kind of, kind of people who kind of go away. And then the second one is really pervasive is that we're not good enough. It's, it's somehow that there's not enough time for us. There's maybe not enough holding of us, maybe not enough food. And then we kind of but because we are very, very tiny and small, everything is just one blob. So the outside and the inside, and we come to this conclusion, we're not good enough. So those are the two basic ones. And the three that come on top of that are that we should kind of be ashamed of ourselves or we will get humiliated. So we kind of ought to keep things in. And a fourth one is we should be in control. There's a lot of people who recognize that, and, but life is not controllable. So, so that never works, but we try. And a fifth one is really, uh, we should be perfect. We can't exist if we're not perfect. So those conclusions really uh, are in us a lot of the time. They talk, they are these inner voices, but they're just conclusions from when we were very, very tiny and we were trying to make sense of, of our world. Sure. Well, if I could pull on a couple of those, certainly we as creative people uh, come to this point where we think it's not good enough. You know, we're not good enough, A, but certainly the work is not ready for prime time and we don't want to hit the send button. We don't want to host the show. We don't want to go on stage, whatever that is. How do you think that, I mean, you know, and yet we may not recognize, you know, that started in our youth and we think somehow this is something we're just now afflicted with. You know, there is a productive side also to this conclusion. Because we think we're not good enough, we try harder and we want to do better. And that's kind of the positive side of it. But the negative side of it is when 
You know, for instance, when I start on a book and I'm into the first chapter and all's going well, and in the second chapter, I'm like, nah, this is not a good topic. Nobody's want to read a topic. Nah, no, 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 I don't know enough. I haven't collected enough information. I, what do I know about this topic? And then it can be really, you know, self-destructive and you keep starting over and over again. So yeah, this voice, it's just a voice. It comes from way back when. So sometimes it's really good to feel that there has been a lack of something that you can now give to yourself. You know, it's not now. And then kind of say like, okay, I hear you, little voice, little baby voice from way back when, but I'm an adult now. And um, this is my chosen profession, creativity wants me to create something. It might not be, you know, number one bestseller list in the New York Times for a hundred weeks, but this is what I've got to offer and I'm going to do it. Wow. And you talk about control. The other point I was going to dig down on a little bit, you know, certainly uh, again, creative practitioners might want to control the situation. We might want to control our partners or our clients or our colleagues. And yet, you know, they don't want to be controlled either, do they? No, and the sense of control all comes from the broken heart, the child that wants to kind of offer all of it to the parent, but the parent already has a partner. So you kind of go like, as if you are the partner, as if you need to take care of your parent. And then the parent says, no, no, no. And, and you kind of go like, but I've offered my whole heart. I was here with my whole heart. And, and then the heart gets broken and you go like, this will never happen to me again. I will always read the situation. I will always be on top, but it's, it never happens. You're never fully on top. Life is unpredictable. So yeah. these people or, or the people with that or us, all of us with that childhood conclusion need to learn to, to trust again and to trust life and to trust our own impulses and intuition and, and to see that, you know, whatever we do, if it comes from the heart, it's already good enough. It's already mm -hmm. great. Well, and we talked about loneliness and this alleviating the loneliness. There, There is this image of the lonely creative, you know, in the basement, doing the painting, writing the song. But, it, but we're rarely alone. Um, how, how do we overcome this feeling that, well, A, I'm the only one that feels this way, or that I have to do everything myself? Yeah, so I am with a partner who is a painter who he doesn't work in the basement, but he does work in a studio and he really <laughs> prefers to be alone. So there's there's those. And also writing, I would say, is a bit of a lonely business. At some point, you really have to block your diary and say, no, I'm not going to all these things I could go to because it needs to be made. It needs to be typed. It needs to be. It's just, you know, a time consuming thing. So there is, but we, we're we all part of the fabric of life and of the fabric of family and friends. And I think if we feel lonely, the natural impulse is to draw back. So I think we then need to learn to catch it quickly and then go like, and go phone someone or go somewhere, even, you know, go to the park, sit on a bench, see if there's somebody else there and just, you know, start a conversation. Find the human connection. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's uh, launch then off into your own creative process. As you were writing these books, you you mentioned, you know, it is sometimes a solitary you know, <laughs> endeavor. You have to put the words on the page, don't you? 
You do. You do. There's really, I have written uh, um, The Eldest Daughter Effect together with one of my best friends who's also an eldest daughter of an eldest daughter. She has an eldest daughter. And it was great to write together. And actually, I spoke to her today because we are both in the process of writing a next book. And we, we have now made the agreement to send each other 5,000 words in three weeks' time. Because it was it was wonderful. Uh, usually I have a deadline because I have a publisher this time for the book I'm now working on, which is going to be called The Inner Life of Money, a very interesting topic where many people feel lonely, whether they have it or they don't have it. So I don't have a, a publisher, so I don't have a deadline. So now this friend and I have kind of say, okay, let's let's you know set a date and by that date we will send each other something. So we're not only in our own world here. Well, I definitely want to talk about the uh, the new money book, but let's t- touch on the eldest daughter effect too. The book about how firstborn women, you know, can harness their strengths. I was impressed with this list: Hillary Clinton, Oprah Winfrey, Sheryl Sandberg. J.K. Rowling, Beyonce, all of these eldest daughters that have something in common. What did you find was the thread among these women? To do the research, we organized the Eldest Daughter Day, and this had always been a dream of mine, to come together with firstborn women without the others, the intruders, so to say, <laughs> the siblings that came later. Right. And so we don't this want was any perfect... second or thirds here. Huh? No second or thirds here. Only the no, no second or thirds here. Just <laughs> us. And so about 100 women came. They had no idea what was going to happen to them. And we offered them all kinds of workshops. And and that was a, a way of, of getting our, our data, of, of doing our research. And then we looked at what they had, had said. But one thing was immediately clear. Uh, the facilitators of the day kind of had them according to age. And the oldest one was a woman who had come with her daughter and her granddaughter. So we had three generations of one family of oldest daughters. And the facilitators asked us in groups of three to say, what is the main characteristic that you see as an eldest daughter trait? And so then they asked this uh, woman who was in her 80s, and she said, responsibility. And the whole, you know, 100 women go, yeah, you know. Because we feel we are responsible for everyone and everything. And uh, and a good thing about, you know, reading the book or coming to the retreat that we're organizing on an annual basis because of the book is that you get to see, yes, you can be responsible. You can see what needs to be done. And you know that you're if you take it on, you're going to, you know, do it well. That's another thing. You're very, we're very dutiful. We're very hands on, but we don't need to. So it's also like with with uh, the childhood conclusions fix. There's there's thoughts that have us until we become aware of them, and then we can have them. And when you can have the thought or you can have the impulse, then you don't necessarily need to act on it. So apart from alleviating loneliness, there's also kind of freeing ourselves up to be our true selves and not be at the mercy of patterns that we learned in our childhood. I think that's worth rewinding the tape for a moment and underscoring what you just said. And that is once you have and recognize these thoughts, then you can be more aware of them and you don't have to be controlled by them. Uh, That's a a fast, rather than uh, how many people do you know who say, well, that's just the way I am. I'm an oldest daughter, you know, or for me, I can't help it. I'm a Leo. I mean, you know, that all of a sudden we (laughs) resign ourselves 
because this was our you know fate in life so to speak yeah yeah and that is so at the alice daughter retreat there's always moments every day where you know somebody will rearrange the seats because it is better that way and then the <laughs> others will just you know sit there and watch and kind of yes i'm watching myself you know and <laughs> then we all laugh and and that is so liberating it's so liberating well, in case any of the male listeners are wondering, that couldn't possibly be talking about me as an eldest son. I can guarantee everything Lizette has just mentioned <laughs> can be transferred to us as well. You know, you've mentioned the retreat a couple of times where your, your fifth annual is coming up very soon. It'll be here before we know it. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it wasn't actually my idea. You know, what I think the interesting thing about books is that they are like envoys, that they have a life of their own in the outside world. And so somebody suggested to me and said, uh, I would love you had this eldest daughter day. Uh, I didn't attend it. Uh, I was in Dutch, I'm English. So uh, could you please do a retreat? So, oh, that's a great idea. And yeah, so this is going to be our fifth. Of course, we had to postpone due to COVID uh, in earlier years. It's going to be held in Finthorn, which is a 60-year-old eco-village and spiritual community in, in Scotland, in the north of Scotland that I have been connected with for decades. If you can come, if any listener can come, please, uh, you know, look at my website and and see if this is for you. We we always have a beautiful time, full of you know making fun of ourselves and each other, and very very deep sharing and tears and, you know, being in that eldest daughtership together. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like a great environment, a great space to do that in. It well, is. Get, give us those coordinates where we can connect with that and learn more about it. Yeah, so one is on my website, on the events part of my website. My name is Lisette Schuitemaker. That might not be so easy. Otherwise, if you do Eldest Daughter Retreat and Findhorn, F-I-N-D-H-O-R-N, you will also find it. Well, and we'll put the links in the show notes so everyone can uh, find it easily. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, you bet. Sounds like a great time. Well, let's get back to the uh, current project, your topic, the inner life of money. There's got to be a lot of things, again, that come up from childhood into adulthood about how money kind of takes a life of its own. Tell us what you're working on there. Yeah, so this book was not actually my idea. It was the idea of a dear friend of mine whom I met at Findhorn, and she passed away in November 2019, and then her husband asked me and another friend, Marie-Lou van Holstein-Brauers, if, if we would take on this project. And so we have been doing research, as, as I do, which is reading books, which is talking to people, have, you know, hour-long, two-hour-long conversations. And the interesting thing was that for many people, it was, it was the first time they spoke to a third person about their money situation you know, at length, uh, not just in passing or mm -hmm. superficially, but, uh, and we are, to be honest, to be fair, mainly talking uh, with people who have some money and then, you know, finding out what, how did that money come into your life? Very often, very often the story starts with my grandfather or my great grandfather. You know, my great grandfather had a shop. My grandfather built it into a chain. My father sold it. And now we are investing in 
things. And I'm particularly interested in the field of impact investing. Like how can we invest for the good of the whole, for healthy soil, healthy food, healthy people, healthy future. And so that's a bit the bias of the book. Mm -hmm. But I've been doing research for two years now, maybe three. And I am still in that position where what format does this book want to have? And this yes. morning I wrote something and I said, oh, this is interesting because, you know, creativity, you know, you know all about creativity, <laughs> but creativity is like, it's not a bus that you can wait for. I mean, you just have to start and do it. It's more like a habit. Yes. So oh, well, that's, uh, I'm so glad you mentioned this because, you know, many authors that we talk to have released a book or just released a book or about to. Re and so the work is done. But uh, now we really have a chance to look over your shoulder here and see the, you know, the mess or the initial ideas or the puzzle pieces spread out on the table. And it's not all figured out yet, is it? You know, your, your outline, your table of contents even, you know, might not be uh, quite developed. That is so. My table of contents, there are a few on my wall here yeah. <laughs> that are very different. There's like the hero's journey. You know, you kind of start out, then money comes into your life. You want it, you don't want it. You find allies and then you come back as the hero. I've kind of gone down that road. I've gone down the road of, you know, family, then kind of growing up and coming into your own and uh, kind of a system thinking became very intellectual. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, there's a point where I feel in, in nonfiction, you have to know a lot about your material. And at the same time, you have to have some distance from it so that you can kind of be a bit more abstract in a way, whereas mm -hmm. you're still factual. Uh, I don't know if I can explain this right, but well, it is, uh, at it some is. point, exactly you know, my right. book, yeah. the book that's always on my table is this one, ah. The Grounded Theory, where it says, you know, look at your data, keep looking at your data, because at some point, a pattern will emerge. And I have had an experience with childless living and the eldest daughter effect. So, but I'm still waiting <laughs> and I'm not waiting. I'm just, you know, after the, the kind of summer holidays started again, just every morning uh, is dedicated to writing and writing isn't always writing. Writing is also reading. Writing is also despairing. Writing is also going back to my notes, going back to previous versions and, uh, at some point also, as you say, you know, making a choice and then kind of sticking with it. Hell or yeah, high water. Yeah. This uh, is ultimately, this now. is how you're going to do at least the first draft. And it's yeah. interesting you talk about, you know, there's a pattern, there's a structure, but still I'm analyzing. It may be a lightning bolt moment, but you're also describing just the doing the work. You know, I've got to read, I've got to analyze and sort and code yeah. and all these things that you're doing but i was yeah, fascinated also... that you went straight to what's on your wall as the hero's journey though i mean it's nonfiction, but you're finding a you know creative uh, uh what what's the creative nonfiction that i think is this genre that that has yeah. emerged that you really are telling a story about something that is nonfiction, but it's still a story isn't it absolutely absolutely because we all of our lives are nonfiction, but they're still stories. We tell many stories about things that happen in our lives, which just happen. You know, I, I'm not uh, sometimes people kind of confuse creativity and imagination. 
And I think my imagination is not as large as my curiosity and my wanting to know how things are and my kind of empathy for people in certain situations. And then that's what I write about. And I think some of our uh, writer listeners might be interested in the details of your organizational tools. You know, you've got something on the wall, but are you using, uh, you know, a program or note cards or scraps of paper and envelopes in a drawer? You know, how are you <laughs> capturing all of these reading, you know, fundamentals? Yeah. Yeah. So I have had uh, the the family dinner table all covered in, you know, white cards with uh, themes, sub-themes. And so the sub-themes I have here, my desk is full of notes and sub-themes and things. And then when I start to write, I actually like to start a book in Scrivener. I don't know if you know that program. I have heard of it. I don't use it, but I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah. And I find it very, very helpful in the beginning because at some point I go like, okay, now I'm just going to start to write and going to start with what is most alive in me. And the nice thing about Scrivener is it has various things on your screen. So you can have your notes. This is, I read this here so I can, you know, find it back and you can have a table of contents, but you can very easily kind of shift that around. And then at some point after I've written enough, then, then I move to Word because then it's kind of, yeah, when the structure is there. Well, and for our listeners, it's evening now in Amsterdam. You've got your desk lamp on, your library is behind you. She showed us a book she always has on her desk, and there's a, a, a couple of hundred post-it notes uh, on every... <laughs> <laughs> and we can all relate. It's like somebody who's highlighted the entire book. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a good It point. is like that. Yeah. So I have a book that I think every page is dog-eared. It's like, I, I want to come back to this. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to find that page again, but here it yeah. is. Uh, so it's good to see all these techniques at work. And as you then began, I, I loved what you were talking about. Ultimately, you know, from Scrivener to a Word document, this thing might progress, right? And then where would you take it uh, in terms of maybe having uh, some preliminary readers, beta readers, or, you know, how, how would you and your partner work together in terms of sharing ideas? With the eldest daughter book, of course, there was two of us. We each wrote a chapter and then sent it to each other. With this inner life of money, I also have, but I have a non-writing uh, partner who uh, has, uh, is one of the co-founders of a anthroposophical bank. She knows a lot about money, has thought a lot about it, and she's just a wonderful person. I have now also committed to sending her, you know, something uh, at some point. And yeah, we're starting to make this inner life of money. We're doing going to do some family constellations. We're, we're going to think of uh, doing a podcast like you are doing and the book. So it's not only the whole focus on the book, but but we just, yeah, broaden it. Very nice. I was going to kind of uh, forward fast ahead a little bit to how you did see getting the information, like you said, not just the book. How do you see using either social media or other channels to help uh, share the story? Yeah, I find that every book, every topic of mine has like its own way of entering into the world. For instance, for childless living, 
I active most active on Instagram where I find a world of people who either wanted children and it hasn't happened or have not wanted children kind of are finding out uh, how how is life it's one one in five adults has no children but we still feel very often like we're the only ones so so there's a lot of of connection there with the inner life of money I would think that's a book that could also I could talk about on LinkedIn, which is a, a medium that I really like. I used to be on Twitter. I'm not there anymore. I'm less and less on Facebook. I'm like more on Instagram and LinkedIn uh, now. Oh, and it good. works. What are some of the other, before we close, creative inspirations you tap into? What keeps your flame alive? Curiosity. is really curiosity and and i see life i mean we are all part of creation so we must all be creative we all create every day so i feel it is not something very special every conversation this conversation is a creation it didn't exist before but i think my main feature is that i'm just curious what makes other people tick how things work in this world how things could be better That's what drives me. Yeah, we can learn a lot from that. Thanks for sharing. Well, my guest has been Lisette Schudemacher. And Lisette, forgive me if my Dutch is not as good as it should be, but I'll be tuning it up before I come to Amsterdam to have coffee with you and other friends in the Netherlands. That'll be great. Won't it be wonderful? I can't wait. That's right. Yes. Well, and listeners, I hope you'll come back for our next episode. We're going to continue talking to creative practitioners around the world. We've stopped in Amsterdam today, but we've also been in from Finland to LA to Vietnam, over to Singapore. And in future dates, we'll be all over talking to creative practitioners about how they tap into their original thinking. And as we talked about today, organizing those ideas is a very key step. And then, of course, getting the confidence and making the connections to launch the work out into the world. And that's what we're all about. So come back again next time. And until then, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. See you soon. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliQ Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. Hey, it's Alora Lovelight. And if you're enjoying Unlock Your World of Creativity, make sure to check out my new show, The Alora Show, on Roku and Amazon Fire TV.